Today with Catherine Ruinala. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 34, which I just love. Beautiful, beautiful Psalm. I'm just going to start at verse 1 because it's so good. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Hallelujah. Our magnificent God. And you know, this is my testimony too, that God... He took someone that was so insecure and so bound by what other people might think, so addicted to people-pleasing, so afraid that I was never going to measure up, that the lies of the enemy, the shame that would make you feel like you're never really going to fit in, you're never really going to belong. And our wonderful God, you know, the Bible tells us that His perfect love casts out fear. That's astonishing. Perfect love casts out fear. That instead of having as our default or our foundation fear, anxiety, worry, shame, and condemnation, that he has called us, it tells us in Ephesians 3, to be rooted and grounded in love, in this perfect love that casts out all fear, that actually so He wants to so fill us that every trace of fear is displaced because he fills us to the very deepest need. Hallelujah. I I remember years and years ago complaining to the Lord. I feel like God, through all that I've I've walked through as a a child and a teenager, I just feel like God, I've got this big crack in my life that nothing's ever really able to fill. And I was on the altar having a complaint to God. And I saw a vision and I saw a peace from heaven coming to fit right down to the very depth of that crack. And you know, the truth is, God doesn't want to just give us a one-off deliverance and healing, though he does that and gloriously good. Give me a wave if the Lord has done that for you. Wow, Jesus, how glorious. But he wants to continually fill us with perfect love. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 that he wants us to pray. He wants us to agree with the will of the Father. Paul prays for all the saints in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. This beautiful apostolic prayer. Because I was deeply insecure. I was always looking for everybody to affirm me. And it was never enough. Because it would never never last long enough to, to have me in a place where I felt secure and confident and full of joy. I was always deeply needing more. 
And there was nobody that was able to continually give me the fullness of what I needed. But God himself wants to so satisfy our need for love, for so satisfy our hearts to the point that we have no trace of fear left, that we can live in a place where he wants to be our constant supply. The prayer is that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that we would be filled up to overflowing with all the fullness of God. Overflowing means continually receiving. If you imagine a glass that's overflowing, it's only overflowing while it's receiving. Because if you stop pouring, it stops overflowing. The Bible tells us too that love, the love that God is looking for us to manifest is the same love that he's given to us. We love because he first loved us. And greater love has no man than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. But that, that ability to overflow with a selfless love is not something that can be sustained without continually being overwhelmed with the joy that comes from receiving his love for us. You know, we mustn't adopt a mentality that I'm right, no worries, I, I, I'm okay, you know, I know about the love of God, yeah, 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 I know, mentally I understand it, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, yep, I know, and even the Beatles wrote a song about it, like everybody knows Jesus loves you, we know that. But when you get to that place where you're just mentally aware of it, you can actually despise the riches and the truth of what it actually means. God's love for you is not a positional thing that is a, a mental agreement you have. It is, it is a real and powerful, tangible force that he wants to pour into your life like a continuous waterfall so that every fear, every anxiety, every concern is displaced with a perfect love that casts out fear. I remember going uh, to a meeting once and um, in the US and uh, I was meeting with some of uh, the other leaders in America and I had some good friends in the room and I was doing my best just to keep a happy face on. And, but I was having some significant struggles. And I walked into the room and I'm like, hi, how are you? Hey, good to see you. And then my friend, uh, Charles Stock, puts his arms out and says, Catherine, and he gave me a hug and I burst into tears. I thought, what? How did he get under my radar? You know, like, oh, I thought I had it together. I was disturbed, in fact. I went home, and back to the hotel, and went, Lord, how did that happen? What happened there? And he said, you felt safe because he carries my presence. And, you know, I made a choice, a, a deliberate choice at that point. I went, I want to be so overflowing with his love that every person I meet experiences that same overwhelming sense of acceptance and love that they are impacted by the presence of God. And you see, it comes with learning who he is, the truth of who he is. The Bible tells us that God is love. He is love. He doesn't have love. He doesn't do love. 
He is love. And love is patient and kind, keeps no record of wrongs. It's long-suffering. Our glorious God, this is actually who he is. And so when I approach him every day, feeling like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm measuring up today, or, oh, I feel like I've had a bad attitude, or, oh, God, here I am, feeling like a bit of a hypocrite. He's there running toward me like the father of the prodigal son every single day with his arms outstretched saying, hey, I love you. And my heart thinks, I don't understand, God. You were like this with me yesterday. Shouldn't you be like telling me what's wrong? When I was um, just a, uh, I was teaching and I had done a year or two in a state school up here at Newmarket High. And then I got a job part-time at uh, a Christian school and they did orientation for the teachers. And on the orientation, they said, take a piece of paper and go and write down for 15 minutes what the Lord's saying to you. Go and ask him to speak to you and write it down. And I thought, oh, okay. Took my piece of paper and my pencil I thought, right, I'm the Pentecostal. I know you can speak to me. Come on, God. (sighs) What do you want to say to me? Come on, God, I can take it. I know, I know there's a lot to sort out. Lord, come on, you've got 15 minutes. We can, anything, I'm open. Talk to me, God. And I heard him say, I love you. And I went, yeah, I know, everybody knows that. But come on, like seriously, I need to hear from you. Talk to me. I love you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Thank you. Speak to my heart, God. I need you to sort me out. Come on. And for 15 minutes, all I heard was three words. And I went back to the rest of the group thinking, oh, this isn't very profound. But I didn't realize that though I knew those words mentally, I really didn't get it in my heart. I didn't get it in my spirit. And so I began to pray this prayer, this Ephesians 3 prayer, knowing that the Bible says, whatever I ask in the name of Jesus, whatever I ask according to the will of God, I will receive. And I believed that. And I knew that this prayer was for everyone who believes. So this is absolutely the will of God for me. So I prayed it in faith. Lord, I need to know this love that passes knowledge. So Father, I pray that you will strengthen me with might and my inner man so that I may uh, come to know together with all the saints, Christ dwelling in my heart through faith, that I'd be uh, rooted and grounded in this love, that I'd know the height and the depth, the width, the breadth, the love of God that passes knowledge and be filled to overflowing with all your fullness. And I prayed it every day, probably a couple of times a day. I put it on a little cassette tape and He did such a transforming work in my life, transformed my heart. And it wasn't a sudden thing. It was a a progressive thing where the Lord just continued to knock down the lies that I had believed about what he'd say, about who he was and what I believed about myself. And he overwhelmed me with kindness that seemed unfair. You see, he's kinder than we feel like we deserve. Praise the Lord. And every time we come to him, he is there to fill us to overflowing with all the fullness of who he is, with the fullness of his love. 
But we need supernatural help to be able to handle this because mentally, emotionally, it's more than we can take. It's like, ah, oh, it's uncomfortable. But he so wants to fill you. He so wants to help you and strengthen you. This isn't just about feeling nice and feeling good. You see, without positioning yourself intentionally to receive this love that he wants to fill your heart with, you will not be able to sustain a river of love flowing out of your life that is going to manifest who he is to those around you. You will grow weary with well-doing. You'll get tired. But the Bible says those who wait upon him will not grow weary. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Why? Because as you wait on him, he's looking at you going, oh, you're so lovely. And you go, ah. He goes, it's okay. Ask for help. Ask for strength so you can take it. I want to look at your face. I want to tell you how much I love you. And as you are spending time in the presence of this one that loves you unfairly, his perfect love casts out all the fear. His perfect love comes in and gives you a confidence that he, he doesn't just love me, he likes me, he's for me. Who can be against me? His word to me is a promise that I can receive. I am accepted. I'm accepted by him. I'm not on the outside trying to carry, get along with the crowd of Christians. I am actually his beloved. I am the apple of his eye. Therefore, I can take what he says with a holy confidence. I can boldly approach the throne of grace because Jesus Christ, the one who died for me, who loved me so much that he laid down his life, because of his great love for me, I can come to him, I can be real, I can confess my sin and he is faithful and just to forgive me, to not hold it against me, to never keep a record of it, to never bring it up again, but to look at me and say, forgiven, loved, saved, come here, you're mine. And I can walk with him and talk with him with the holy confidence that he's not got a record in the back of his head thinking, gosh, you're lucky that I'm loving. But he genuinely, he loves you more than I love my children. He loves you more than anyone's ever loved another human being. It's like intense. Like my kids, I mean, they need to pray for strength to sometimes handle what I want to give them. Like Joseph, I chase him. If I hear his car going and he hasn't kissed me goodbye, like I'm chasing him. Joseph! <laughs> I just have to tell you I love you. <laughs> so yeah, I love you too. I, I, I fiercely love my kids, but God loves us way more, way more than we can possibly comprehend. Hallelujah. But when we receive this sort of love, we are empowered to be able to love others with the same self-sacrificing love. Like I've... Remember, who has read the story, The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom? The story, if you haven't read it, you should. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of, of love, true love that comes from above. These people who put their own lives in danger to protect Jews from the Germans, 
to protect and save their lives. They risked their own lives and she lost her sister in the concentration camp. They were arrested. And, but to see the love of God manifested in a real way where someone would lay down their life, sacrifice their own life, put their own life in danger so that someone else could be saved, someone else could be protected, someone else could have freedom. This is a supernatural love. This is the love that God has for us. But the, the, the result of that, receiving that love God has for us, is a manifestation and overflow of this love. I mean, people can do courageous things, loving things, good things, but a life that is sustained and marked by eternal fruit that is consistent comes only from those who've learned to abide in him. That is, come into agreement with the fact that I belong to him. He is my Lord. My life has been hidden with God in Christ. I have been crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. He has received me. He has forgiven me. He has redeemed me. And I'm opening my heart every day to say, come Holy Spirit, fill me. I've been watching um, The Chosen. Anybody been watching? If you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful series about the life of Jesus. But I like the way in the mornings the disciples will get up and they'll just hold their hands out first thing when they wake up and just talk to the Lord. And you know, every day when you wake up or when you go to sleep, you can just sit up on the side of your bed, hold your hands out to the Lord and say, Lord, Father, thank you that you love me. Father, today I acknowledge I'm not rich and full and having need of nothing, but I am needy for love today. Fill me with your love that you said you want to continually fill me with. Saturate me. I'm going to talk to you. And I write at the end of the night in my journal, I actually write out prayer requests, physically write them out. Because the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. So write these things out and thank him. Thank you. You're taking care of me, Lord. And I thank you that I have what I've asked because I've asked in the name of your son Jesus and Lord now fill me with your love. Thank you Father. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be anxious or concerned. Fill me and then take some time to let him love me. Open up the word of God. Let him speak to me. Let him encourage me. And the fruit that I'm seeing from those that have learned what it looks like to abide in him is just beautiful. He doesn't want you feeling like you're on your own and you can't do it. If you are at that point and I feel like that sometimes. I feel like, <laughs> too much, too much. But you know what I do when I feel that point? I run into the secret place. I close the door. I get down on the floor with Jesus. I find if I lie down on the floor, I'm belly up. I'm like, I'm here. I am absolutely surrendering before you saying, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Come and fill me. Come and minister to me. Help me, Lord. I come and praise him. I come and worship him. And his perfect love comes in, undoes all the knots. Just like it says in Psalm 23, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. He fills us afresh with supernatural love so that when we get up, instead of looking for someone to meet our need and make us feel better, we're looking for someone that we can bless. We're looking for someone that we can love. This is what the love of God 
will do for us if we will allow him and intentionally go to him to receive. Hallelujah. God's heart for you is to not to get so busy that you fail to tend to the garden of your own heart. Because the fruitfulness comes from the garden of your heart. Hallelujah. Abiding in him, the righteousness, peace, and joy that he wants to sustain in your life. But if you get so busy, I mean, it's even easy to get busy with well-doing. It's easy. I've got to do this, and I've got to help this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. But if I don't take time for the Holy Spirit to pour his love into my heart, pretty soon I'm either getting into self-righteousness with how busy I am or burnout because I'm operating out of my own strength instead of the strength of the Holy Spirit. So I am unapologetic about having to, I have to schedule time in for God because if I don't, It'll get taken up otherwise. So God, this is our time. I'm talking and walking with him as I, all through the day, through the night, if I wake up, I'm talking to him. But I also need quality time with him where I actually stop, let him speak to me through his word, where I, I'll, I have a few touch points through the day where I, at nighttime, I'll, I'll read a scripture, I'll write out some prayers, I'll write down five things I'm grateful for, and I'll thank him for his goodness. I'll take time after breakfast and seeing the family, sometimes doing the trivia, praise the Lord, having some family time, then to then go into my room and talk to the Father. This isn't my obligation. This isn't a chore. This is my life source. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me, refresh me, strengthen me, fill me afresh. God, I need supernatural power to fill me and strengthen me so that I can handle the love you just want to pour into my life today. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to know you. God, you said, seek you and I will find you. So, Father, I seek you, Lord, to know that you want to reveal yourself afresh to me, to provoke me into a place of worship where we can engage in the joy of fellowship together. I thank you, Father. Your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. If there's anything troubling my conscience, I'll talk to him about it. Father, thank you. Um, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Father, thank you for mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you don't hold that against me. I thank you that I have power now, Lord, to come to you and ask for wisdom, Father, to say the right thing next time. Hallelujah. And I, I get very real and can talk to him. Because I have this history that I have developed with God where I have confidence to know that he is kinder than I feel like I deserve. You know, today, if you're in the, the building or you're watching online and you, you maybe know in your head, theoretically, yes, I've heard that Jesus loves me. But you know in your heart, you haven't come into that place where you're in a relationship with him. God's heart desire is for every one of us, not just to know about him, not just to agree with what he says, but to actually come to the place where we say, Lord, I need you to be my God. I need you to be my savior. The Bible tells us that without him, we can do nothing. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Why? 
because light can have no fellowship with darkness. God is light. He's perfectly holy. And none of us can ever measure up to the standard of perfection. If we've ever told a lie, if we've, it doesn't matter how good your life looks like, the Bible says nobody has lived a life that's been completely without sin. And the wages of sin is death. And you can't get rid of your sin. But if you will believe that the one, the only Son of God came and lived a life without sin, made himself a sacrifice so that we, as we put our faith in him, would receive his mercy and forgiveness, he says he will give us his righteousness. He went to the cross, he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and he said, right, now here is the great mystery, the glorious good news. You now can become clothed with me. You can become a new creation, clothed with my love, filled with my spirit, a new creation. If you will just open your heart and say, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Have mercy on me. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sin and believe that he will. The Bible says you will be saved.